The, um, there are more uh, uh, proclaimers printed in the back. If anybody wants one, you're welcome to raise your hand. I think Jay will probably grab some and bring them up. I don't know how many more we have. I was not thinking to warn Jane about printing off extras. So we got a few more printed off now, though. So um, if anybody wants one, the outline, and the reason I say it is because I'm going to kind of fly through this. It's a little, uh, that's, that's a lot of stuff written in there uh, for any of my sermons. Uh, it seems like I'm starting to say that more and more frequently now. You look at the sermon, that's a scary thing. So I, uh, I have the scriptures up here to help us speed along. I will do my best just to uh, teach today. This is more of a teaching one, teaching lesson. So we're going to learn from God's word. I'm, I'm coming at this from the angle because we started a couple weeks ago on the idea of the Holy Spirit. What is this? What does the scripture teach us about the Holy Spirit? So I'm trying to rid my mind of any preconceived notions, any, any knowledge I have about the Holy Spirit. And I'm coming from the very beginning of scriptures and saying, what is this Holy Spirit? Now, what, what can we learn? What does scripture teach us? And so I've been in particular keen in on the word ruach, which can be translated wind or breath, but is usually translated spirit in scripture. And I've just been going through verses that pertain to that. And today I'm even backtracking a little bit on what? One of the verses that I already keyed in on, and it's because of the, the upcoming verses that I really I was like, i got to backtrack a little bit, and I want to make a point about this. So we are learning about God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that that hovered over the waters on creation, when creation began. The, um, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord. This sermon is entitled The Spirit of Yahweh because it's in today's lesson we're finally going to get to a passage that actually uses that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord, or the Spirit of with God's name there, Yahweh. So, But I want to go back to... Moses And I kind of, I guess, keyed in on several people as examples today of what, what they teach us, what the Scripture tells us about them, because they're connected with the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God in some way. So I'm backing up to Moses. We already talked about him a little bit. And we mentioned this verse from Numbers 11.25 last week, but I want to read it again. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, spoke to Moses. He took of the spirit who was upon him, upon Moses, and placed it, him upon the 70 elders. By the, and I will note that New American Standard alerts for us this fact that him is kind of added in there. It's an understood thing, but it is added. Placed him upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But they did not do it again. So here's an interesting thing. Um, the Spirit indicated and, and showed people that he was actually in somebody, had come upon them by making them prophesying, but then he didn't do it again. So there's a sense of showing authority, showing that somebody is, is authorized or has the very Spirit upon them. You can trust them, trust their words, because they prophesied. But I want to talk a little bit about Moses. And based upon this verse, because this is where the passage, it talks about the spirit that's upon you. 
And there hasn't been language previously that indicates that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Moses. It's never in there. But in this verse, there is this idea that at some unspecified point, the Spirit did come upon Moses. Just as it was now resting upon the 70 elders, there was, a, there was a point in time when the Spirit came to rest upon Moses, or came in Moses, or came mightily upon Moses. I don't, I don't have the language for that. I'm just supposing this. This seems to be inferred. So God took the Spirit that was upon him, upon Moses. So that just makes me think, and it's more because of these upcoming uh, examples of the Spirit coming upon these other people we're going to look at farther down the line here. I start wondering, okay, do I have, is there any indication from Scripture when the Holy Spirit came upon Moses? As I say in the outline, did the Spirit begin to stir in Moses in Egypt? So, uh, and there's a reason that I can even specify and, and think about this a little bit. Um, uh, let me see here. Numbers 4. I'm back a little bit. I didn't get my Acts passage in here, but in the Acts passage in Acts chapter 7, that is the, the uh, spot where uh, in Stephen's speech, he starts indicating that Moses was thinking about delivering the people, and it came to his mind. Okay, so let's look at this passage. Let's look at Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Acts 7, 23, it says, But when he was approaching, this is Stephen, he's preaching, talking about um, Moses. When he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. So that's all... Basic. That's from the story of Exodus. But Stephen tells us, by the Holy Spirit within him, tells us something a little bit more that wasn't revealed back in Exodus. Verse 25 says, And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. So here's this idea. He supposed that God, they would understand God's using me to deliver you. And I asked the question to me, and because this thought, it came into his mind, something was leading him, it seems, to do this. Was the Spirit of God at work in him in his younger self? And I love you to call on Moses at age 40, his younger self. That's a neat thing for us folks who are older, isn't it? So 40 is still young. You young people think you're young. Oh, you're going to be young a long time because I'm still kind of young. <laughs> Forty years old was the spirit stirring in him. And by the way, I'm going to I use the language the spirit began to stir. When did the spirit begin to stir in Moses? It's the language of scripture. It's only going to be that phrase is going to be used one time a little bit later on in, in relation to a guy who is not so spiritual. Moses seems like a holy man. He's going out to his people to do God's work, delivering God's people. That's on his mind at 40 years old. Where did that thought come from? Was the Holy Spirit already stirring in him at that time? And it says that those people did not understand. It didn't work out at that time because the people, the Israelites, didn't understand 
They're the ones who pushed back and, and Moses took off running because he was fearful. So maybe the Spirit of God is stirring in Moses. Maybe it's already upon him in some sense at that time. And he knows what he needs to do. But then he goes out into the wilderness, becomes a shepherd, and kind of forgets about something that maybe God was calling him to. Go let my people go. Maybe he forgot about that which once stirred in him. And maybe then it's at the burning bush that Moses receives the Spirit. So I want to read this passage. And I want to start in verse number 13 of Exodus 4. And it says, this is Moses. We know the story. He resists God so much. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I can't, you know, just, I can't speak. God, I, don't worry about any of that stuff. Moses finally says, Exodus 4.13, he says, But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. So here's Moses just finally. He's done making excuses. He's just saying, pick somebody else, please. Somebody else. Anybody else but me. Whomever you will. Not me. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your younger brother Aaron the Levi? I know that he speaks fluently. On and on, he kind of talks to Moses. Verse 17, you shall take your, your hand, in your hand this staff in which you shall perform signs. Then verse 18, so God finish, finishes talking in verse 17. Then verse 18 says, then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they're still alive. So something changed. He didn't fight back this last time. Notice in verse 18, after God just gives him a what for, he doesn't say, no, no, no. He accepts it. He turns, goes back to Jethro and says, I'm going to Egypt. Is that all right with you? Something changed there. Maybe that's when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There he was in the presence of the angel of the Lord. In the burning bush, maybe then the Spirit came upon him and helped him to change his attitude, change his mind, give him some courage to do what needed to be done. I don't know. But the thought is, somewhere along the line, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord stirred within him. Maybe that's fair language to use. That's used elsewhere. I don't know if we can apply it fairly to Moses. I... I don't know, but this idea of the Spirit seems to be working, doesn't it? He seems to be changing his mind. And at some point, he is finally saying, God is acknowledging the Spirit of the Lord is on Moses. Maybe it was after a few, you know, Aaron was always there with him. But maybe it was after a few miracles that, that Moses finally gained even more courage and was just like, maybe then the Holy Spirit just came upon him or grew within him more and more powerfully? I don't know. But at some point, the Spirit did come upon him. And I'm kind of seeing, because of what we're going to learn a little later, maybe the Holy Spirit is stirring him to do what he should have done, or what he could have done, or what he was thinking about doing back when he was 40. Sometimes when we're younger, we think about God more. We don't get distracted by our jobs tending sheep 
And we're focused on what really matters in life. That's one of the neat things about being a youth leader, isn't it? About having children as it's stirring within them. Who is God? Who am I? What am I to do for God? And all this potential, all of these thoughts of what am I to do for the Lord God? And who am I in Christ Jesus? Don't ever let go of those thoughts. Don't get distracted. There's nothing wrong with a normal job. Okay, I'm getting off task here. But remember this. There's nothing wrong with just having a normal, ordinary job as long as you use it and do it to the glory of God. So always live for Christ Jesus. Never lose your passion for the Lord God. So anyhow, Moses is this... um, Moses is this an, exa- an example of someone who had the Spirit of God upon him. I don't know when that Spirit came upon him, but it did at some point in time. And there was an interesting thing that Moses also said in Numbers eleven twenty nine when the when the uh, prophecy when the Spirit was transferred to the seventy elders. There were two of them that were in uh, in the camp. They weren't up on the mountain at the side of the mountain with, uh, with Moses and the rest of the elders, they started prophesying in town. Joshua was like, hey, there's some guys in town prophesying. You know, they're going to get some attention. Or I don't, I don't know, maybe he was worried about Moses losing some of his authority to these two guys who had rebelled and not gone up to the mountain like they were supposed to. Moses says, though, Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would have put his spirit upon them. And here is Moses who has the spirit of God on him. And he speaks prophecy right here. This is very prophetic, very neat. And again, this is because I know something later on in the story. That God wants to pour out his spirit upon all mankind, right? That the Lord would put his spirit upon them. All of the Lord's people. I want them all to have the spirit upon them. So here is a little bit of a revelation. A little prophecy about what God wants to do in advance. God wants to put his spirit upon all the Lord's people. There's also some more things about Moses that I want to note. Moses gave the spirit to Joshua through the laying on of hands. Deuteronomy 34, 9. It says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. There's a connection between Joshua, the son of Nun, being filled with the, the spirit of wisdom. And we had already seen in previous passages the idea of the spirit of wisdom is connected with the spirit of God. Back in when we talked about the creation uh, or the building of the tabernacle and the ark. So there is a connection here with the Holy Spirit, God's spirit. And it came upon Joshua because Moses laid his hands on him. It was transferred through the laying on of hands. Holy Spirit transferred through the laying on of hands. Numbers 27 verses 18 through 20. So backing up actually a little bit, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, 
and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. You shall put some of your authority on him. This word is an interesting one to study. We might have to do sometime. The authority on him. In order, and sometimes that splendor or majesty. Put some of your splendor, majesty, authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. Some of Moses' weight is put on to Joshua through that laying on of hands. And it was connected with the spirit. Joshua already had some spirit, it looks like, even before the laying on of hands. But then even more weight and glory, majesty, even more of the Holy Spirit was placed upon him. So these are all just interesting things that just stirs to mind the question of how the Spirit works, how the Spirit is placed upon people. At one point, the, the Lord himself took of the Spirit from Moses and put it on to others. And now Moses himself is transferring it according to the Lord's commands, placing his hands on Joshua and transferring the Holy Spirit to, <clears throat> excuse me, to him. So these, there's so many things about the Holy Spirit that we have to learn and to see. All right, and all of this just kind of builds and builds. And then we get to, and last week I mentioned Balaam, and I mentioned him in passing, and he's really a peculiar guy, and I struggled with even in the sermon last week how I was going to mention him. He's, um, what I want to say is he's a shifty character. <laughs> he's, a, he's a weird one. I want to call him a man of God, and I want to call him a terrible, thoughtless you know, just what is he doing kind of guy. And he's very much related in my mind. He's very much like Samson is like that too. And so I want to bring out these two guys, uh, Balaam, and we, we're going to mention some others quickly here. But I want to encourage us to see how the Spirit of the Lord interacts with us and can come to us. And if we're willing... If we're faithful, God will use us in great ways like Moses. He was faithful to that spirit that was upon him, and he died. Unfortunately, he didn't get to go into the promised land because of a mistake. He wasn't perfect, but he was faithful to that spirit. But there are others who had the spirit of God, and they weren't faithful. And they grieved that spirit. So let's consider Balaam. In Numbers 24, 2, it says, And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he's going to start say, saying a prophecy of blessing upon them. God's words come through him. And it's a very specific time. It's a, it's a moment when the Spirit comes, of God comes upon him and tells him the very words to say, and he doesn't even have to be thinking. All right, so... Let's talk a little bit about Balaam. The Spirit of God came upon him. This is the first time we get that language. That's why I backed up to Moses and I was like, you know, there was a time that the Spirit of God came upon Moses. So I went back and I talked about that. When did that happen? Maybe we have an idea, a guess of maybe when that happened. I don't know. But here is Balaam. The Spirit of God came upon him. 
Very specific language used for the very first time, that phrase. But it's interesting to note some things about Balaam. First of all, Balaam wasn't from the line. He wasn't a descendant of Abraham. He wasn't, in that sense, a child of God. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Jacob had the 12 sons, and the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, and God was with them. God chose Abraham, and through him, through that one man, all peoples were going to be blessed. God chose Abraham. But Balaam doesn't, I don't know of a connection that he has with Abraham or any of his descendants. He is like, he's coming from near the river, as it says. Numbers 22.5. So he sent messengers. Um, just catch the points with me. This is a complex story about Moab seeing the people and being threatened in his land. And he's real worried. So he wants somebody to come and curse those people after they've come, right before they go into the promised land. So Balak is the king of Moab. He sent messengers. Balak sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Baor, at Pethor, which is near the river. And this, it's interesting, all of the scholars seem to indicate there's a place on, called Pethor, and it, you can find it on a map for ancient times up along the Euphrates River. This is not a reference to the Jordan River. He doesn't even live in the area. He's up towards the, the river Euphrates. He is not around the, too close to the Holy Land, I should say. So it's near the river, the land of the sons of his people. Um, to call him, saying, Behold, a people came out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the, the surface of the land. They're living opposite me. Can you come curse them? And they're, they're a threat to me. Come curse them. So Balaam, he's a foreigner, and he's called to come. And now, wait a second, a little bit later on, He's going to be have the Spirit of God come upon him, and he's not even one of the children of God? It's a weird stuff. And so I'm, last week I mentioned this. This week I want to dive into it a little bit more because I think it's important for us to consider one thing about the Holy Spirit. We're so grateful to the Word of God that we can search it out and find out what it says about any particular subject. But sometimes we don't have all the answers. And I hope we're all okay with that. So here is a guy, first of all, we find out he wasn't a descendant of Abraham, but he knew the name Yahweh. He knew the name the Lord. Look in 22.8, he said to them, this is, um, this is Balaam speaking to the people who came to him, saying, come down and curse these people. He said to them, spend the night here and I will bring word back to you as the Lord may speak to me as Yahweh he knows the name Yahweh Yahweh wasn't known until um, it was spoken to Moses at the burning bush so this is a interesting thing the spirit of the Lord well I, I shouldn't even say it. this is just this man knowing the name of the Lord so he claims to know the name of the Lord but he also speaks with God, and God speaks to him. God said to Balaam, do not go with them. Now, this isn't some vague God. This is God, the God of Israel. And he's saying, don't go with them. For do not, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So God states clearly what the situation is. So Balaam arose in the morning and said to Balak's leaders, 
go back to your land for the Lord, for Yahweh has refused to let me go with you. So here is a point that says Balaam obeyed God. And I wish it were simply that's how it ended. I think that's how the story was supposed to end. Balaam just refusing to go and curse the people that were blessed by God. But instead, he seems perhaps, uh, right in here, perhaps tempted by silver and gold, Balaam checks with God again on the matter. They come back with more money, more silver, more gold. He seems to be tempted, perhaps. He goes when he should not have gone. There's the story about the donkey. It's really interesting. And then he sacrifices to God on Baal's high places. He's kind of mixing worship with, he knows Yahweh, but yet he's going up on the high places of Baal. This is not a good thing. Um, and then he uh, listens to Balak. He tries to curse them once. Doesn't work. I, I shouldn't say he tries to curse them. He just says, I'm going to do what God tells me to. That seems decent. But then when he blesses them, he ends up going with Balak again. He continues to do the wrong thing and go to the wrong places. And so he's just in a bad situation. He is not faithful like we want him to be. With this attitude of re repentance, though, I do uh, see this. It's interesting. We all make mistakes. But that's when we get to Numbers 24, 1 through 5. It seems like he has his he actually says, my eye opened. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to seek omens, but he set his face toward the wilderness. So this indicates at other times he was seeking omens. This guy who spoke with God, seeking omens. But instead, this time he turns his face towards the wilderness. Balaam lifted his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe, and the Spirit of God came upon him. So now he seems this faithful guy. That's when he is showing some faithfulness and actually not seeking to do the wrong things. That's when the Spirit of God comes upon him. He's, what I would say, a willing vessel. The question comes, are we going to be willing vessels? Are we going to be faithful to God and do things God's way, not get distracted by silver and gold, but do things God's way? Verse 3. He took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Baor, and the oracle of the man whose eye is opened. I'm awake now. I'm seeing what I'm supposed to see. The oracle of him who hears the word of God. I'm finally listening to God. Who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down, yet having his eyes uncovered. How fair are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. So now he is speaking the word of God. The Holy Spirit is upon him because he's a willing vessel and he blesses the people. He ends up cursing Balak and Moab because he's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's doing right. He curses them. And then look at verse uh, 20, oh, well, in verse 25, chapter 24, verse 25, it just says that Balak and Balaam, they separate and go their different ways. So it seems like Balaam's in good standing, at least with me at that point in the scripture. I'm like, oh, Balaam, you really recovered from a bad story. You were looking like a shady character, really making all these bad mistakes. And then you finally listen to God. 
And then we get to Numbers uh, 25, verses 1 through 3. And it seems like it just goes to a different story. It says, while Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. This is right after Balaam takes off, right after he had blessed the people. God's people, Israel, began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. Wow, I, I didn't even realize, I didn't pay attention to this, it's Baal of Peor. Where did Balaam come from? Peor. Or was it Pethor? Oh, I might be, um, am I mixing those up? Let's skip that. Scratch that, check that one out for yourself. Let me know if I'm remembering right or wrong. They have an issue right after Balaam leaves. But it turns out Balaam was the cause of this sin. Balaam, who was shady character and then kind of, hey, he repentance, he, he really comes through for us. And now I'm like let down again. This guy who had the spirit of the Lord, or excuse me, the spirit of God upon him, he lets us down. Jump ahead a couple of chapters in Numbers 31, 16. It says, Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam, the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, so that the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. This man, want to call him a man of God? Spirit of God had come upon him and he had prophesied and blessed the nation of Israel. But it looks like before he separated from Balak, he actually gave Balak some counsel and said, hey, you really want to, I know I just blessed these people, but you really want to mess with them? Here's how you do it. Send your... uh, women in with them, start mixing with them, get them to uh, get them to sacrifice to your idols. Pretend you're friends and pull them away from the one true God. That was the counsel of Balak. There was counsel of Balak, and I'm just putting the pieces together. Seems like that's what he did. Here is his end. Numbers 31, 8, it says, They killed the kings of Midian along with the rest of their slain, Evi and Rechem and Zer and Hur and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, the son of Baor. Baor, not Peor. Baor with the sword. They killed him with the sword. This guy who not too long ago had been under... The, uh, the compulsion, really, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And now he's dead. So the Spirit of the Lord can come upon those who aren't the greatest of characters, who are not the most faithful. And also, I would say, the Spirit of the Lord can be grieved and leave someone. Something for us to learn and consider. So, we're not to the New Testament yet in the study. 
But we know there is a promise for the Holy Spirit in regards to us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? We're working up to that. But there is a promise of the Holy Spirit coming to us. I just want to ask you today, how are you living your life and how are you leading your life? Moses is an example of somebody who had the Spirit of God and walked faithfully according to that Spirit all his days. Balaam, not so much. Clearly came upon him, but he failed miserably. I want to encourage everybody who is a child of God to live faithfully. Don't get distracted by riches, things, pleasure, any of those things. The end of the matter is this. Fear the Lord God and keep His commandments. If there's anybody who's here today, you're not a child of God, I encourage you to give your life to Him. I encourage you to live fully for Him and live according to the Spirit that He has given to us. If you need to give your life to Christ in baptism, I encourage you to do so today. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. You're welcome to respond as we stand and sing.